When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the fall. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Friday evening. I am the Hebrew Hammer. Welcome everyone to the Sick Podcast. Before we uh, discuss last night's game and things moving forward for the Canadians, let's take care of some business. Uh, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. And of course, by La Bête TB Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bête TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bête TB, embrace your true nature. Um, well, I, I feel like the Canadians really embraced their true nature last night because uh, up until the last 10 minutes of the game, it was a great game. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be same old Canadians because this uh, road trip usually uh, is a big bugaboo for the Canadians. They usually fall apart at some point during it. Uh, they haven't yet. I don't know. I don't, I'm not. I'm not ready to say they fell apart. But uh, hey, we'll ask our guest. He's from the Montreal Gazette. He joins me mostly every Friday. His name is Stu Cowan. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, 
So tell me, are you ready to call? Were you, are you ready to call last night a collapse? Well, they got to stop falling behind two nothing every game. That's the third straight game they've been behind two nothing. They managed to get an overtime lost point in Minnesota, and they won in Chicago. But uh, when you're playing catch up all the time, and especially on a team like the Canadians, where they have problems scoring goals, especially the forwards, it's not a good strategy. I mean, they they, they battled back at a good second period. Uh, first first period was horrible. Um, and then at the end, they just sort of fell apart a bit. But uh, five days between games or whatever it was uh, with the Christmas break, that's a tough one. Carolina had played the night before. They already had their legs back. So I'm not surprised uh, with the way things went. Um, no, they're still you know, they're 2-1-1 one, and one now in the first four games of this road trip, which isn't uh, isn't too bad. Uh, but now they got a tough challenge coming up back-to-back against the Panthers and the, and the Lightning. So this could go from a good start to this uh, road streak, uh, road trip, to uh, a bad ending if they lose these last two. Well, it's funny because I saw a stat last night on, uh, on Twitter saying that the Canadians in the games between Christmas and New Year's they're on a 12-game losing streak now. Yeah. Um, and it's usually against Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay, those games, because Florida, they'll always play at Christmas time. It's a home game for the Canadians, which is a bad thing these days. Um, so I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, after the Slavkovsky hit, um, which we'll touch on a little bit later, uh, they kind of just, you know, there was no fight shown. Uh, you know, I, I saw signs of when Martin St. Louis called the team soft. Nobody went after uh, yeah. Stephen Nosen except for uh, Caulfield. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, if Cole Caulfield's well, going, the only guy going after. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I don't know. I, I didn't, I really, like, I up until the, fir- the first 50 minutes of the game, I was like, okay. This is uh this team has still got the fight in them. They're not going to fall apart. You know, maybe they'll be in this thing till the end, and that's a pretty big conclusion to draw. Um, you know, end of the season, but with the way they just fell apart after that hit, I, I really didn't like that at all. No, I'm surprised Marty saying. I'm sure Marty Saint Louis didn't like it either. Uh, I mean, with Nelson Slavkowski got put himself in a little bit of a vulnerable position, but it was a you know. Nelson noticed that and just blew him up. I mean, it's uh, they didn't call it a shoulder, but, I mean, he still hit him in the head. Uh, the NHL doesn't want to get rid of those head hits for whatever reason. Uh, but, yeah, there was not much of a response at all from the Canadians, either immediately after or in the last five minutes, I think, that was left in the game. Um, that's concerning. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of people on social media saying, where is Arbor Jacki? Why isn't the sheriff there? Um, might have been a different scenario if he was there. Um, but on the defense, I was getting hard to find spots. I mean, Kovacevic was a healthy scratch last night with Jordan Harris coming back. The other thing that works against Jacka is a left-hand shot. Uh, you had Harris playing on his wrong side uh, yesterday. It's hard to take Jaden Struble out of the lineup right now. In fact, it's almost impossible to take him out of the lineup right now. So it's hard to be hard for Jacka to get a spot back in there. Uh, but from a team standpoint, uh, it was disappointing the lack of response after the hit from Slavkovsky. Um, hopefully he's going to be okay. You know, uh, Josh Anderson, after the game, he had talked to him and he seemed okay, but sometimes with concussions, it can be a day or two later before the symptoms really come in. And it was a big hit he took. And it's one of those things Slavkovsky is going to have to, you know, I'm not blaming him for the hit, but he, right. he, he has a habit of putting himself in vulnerable positions. It hasn't been as bad this season. I mean, last season he got blown up a bunch of times. Um, he's just not used to getting hit. Uh, I spoke with him about this way. He's so big that when he was a kid, nobody was going to run him, right? He was, he was like a man. It's boys. Uh, They're probably terrified of him. But in the NHL, uh, and especially when you're a number one overall pick, you got a bit of, bigger of a target on your back. 
And when Nosen saw him with his head down, and he just blew him up. I mean, he's he had he was about five feet away when he saw him, with, and mm. Solkowski never saw him coming, which isn't good. Like you, got, you got to be aware. And um, hopefully, Solkowski is fine. But it's just another learning process that he's going through. And uh, Justin Barron's a similar thing. He he's put himself into some vulnerable positions this year, also, and, and luckily wasn't hurt. But it's uh, again the the lack of response. Uh, was a concern, um, whether it was someone dropping the gloves or somebody throwing a big hit on a Carolina player. Uh, but that's not good when uh, – and you say they sort of folded after that. The game, the game was basically over after that happened. Well, that's – so I'm uh, – you know, we've had discussions on, the, on, the, uh, on this network before about fighting. And generally speaking, you know, I, I think my, my stance is pretty clear. I mean, I think uh, – it has its place in the game, but very, very, like really pick pick the spot. Mm-hmm. Like it's really specific where it at, where that spot is. And last night is one of those spots. Like, okay, the ref's not going to do anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna step in. It's time for someone to take the charge and police the game because you don't do that to my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it doesn't go unpunished. So last night that was a spot to uh to have uh, a good old-fashioned hockey fight but man even if it's not a fight just in a, a big hit well but that's it just go, like send a message yeah. you know not mm-hmm. not injure someone because yeah no but just throw a big body check just throw a big solid body check on somebody else but that's it because i'm sure nosin's intention wasn't to injure Slavkovsky. He just saw him with his head down and, you know, he, decided yeah. I'm going to blow him up. His intention wasn't to injure him, but it was definitely to blow him up. I mean, he, as I said, yeah. it was, he was good four or five feet away when you could see him cruising in. He stopped skating, so it wasn't charging. He was gliding in, but he had the shoulder. I mean, to his credit, he had the shoulder down. He wasn't, it wasn't an elbow yeah. to the head. It was, it was shoulder down and he drove right through him. And it was, uh, it was a big, big hit. And especially you realize how big it was with how big Slavkovsky is. To go down as hard as he did, um, but again, we've seen that we've seen that over the last couple of seasons a few times with Slavkowski, uh, often in the corner or behind the net in the offensive zone, not expecting to get hit. And in the NHL, you got to expect to get hit. You got to be ready to get hit. And you look at a guy like Brendan Gallagher, even Cole Caulfield. How good Cole Caulfield is at protecting mm. himself from big hits and sort of spinning off them. You know, I think back to the days when Peter Svoboda was with the Canadians and playing defense. He was like 165, six two, and like 165 pounds. And he would say, and the NHL was a much more violent league back then, but he'd take a hundred penalty minutes every year, and they were all just high sticking and cross checking from protecting himself. You know, he'd go in the corner, he'd get rid of the puck, and he'd get his stick up, knowing some guy was going to come run him. And after a few guys get a stick in the face running him, they don't run him as often after that. So Sobota was a case of survival in the NHL to protect himself. So uh, for Slavkowski, he's going to have to do uh, uh, another lesson for him just to uh, be aware that. Uh, guys are coming at you to hit you uh, and, and try not to put yourself in vulnerable positions as often as he has. Well, it really goes back to, you know, the, uh, the Slavkovsky not protecting himself versus Caulfield is a great example of protecting himself. It really goes back to what Mark Bergevay said about the concern of Cole Caulfield when he drafted him, uh, when he was facing questions of, you know, he's very undersized and he goes, he's been playing hockey this size his whole life. Yeah. So he's used to that. He, well, he learned how to protect himself when he was, it's like Sidney Crosby. I mean, there's a video on Sidney Crosby when he was playing midget AAA and he was like 
13 and the other kids were all 16 and they were hacking them and whacking them and chopping them and he was spinning away and pk suban was a master of spinning away from the hits i mean he had a big target on his back when he was playing especially with the canadians they just had that ability to spin off checks uh and not get hurt um but you know he mentioned caulfield you know he didn't take part in the morning skate yesterday they said it was therapy the game against chicago he left the bench for a while after the game marty st louis said it was a skate uh, but you start wondering now if there's something wrong with him, uh, if the shoulder or something's acting up again. I mean, the shot doesn't have the same zip it did last season. Uh, his skating doesn't seem to have the same zip. He's just not the same player that we saw last season when he scored uh, 26 goals in 46 games. I mean, now he's on pace to finish like with 20 goals. Uh, he's got one goal in the last 12 games. Um, so I'm wondering now, especially when he missed the morning skate yesterday for a therapy day, and after the game in Chicago, like I said, Marty St. Louis said it was a skate, but you, you start to wonder mm. uh, if he might be playing through something. Uh, and if he is, you hope it's not the shoulder again. Well, so on that note of Caulfield, um, you know, I guess that opens a discussion of, you know, if it's it's tough for the, the Canadians are in a tough spot because they're still in a lot of injury trouble. They've got a lot mm-hmm. of guys on the shelf. Yeah. You know, you're kind of you know whether you know you plan for it or not with the record you have you're you're in the mix for a playoff spot uh, yep. you know with the way things are going um do you think it's a matter of they see themselves they're better with Caulfield in the lineup than with without him or is it uh, we have no choice but to play him because this is what they you know, Graham Reinband took the fall for this last year when uh, when they did this exact same thing with um, with Sean Monahan. Yeah, well, and Jordan Harris spoke uh, before the game yesterday at the morning skate, saying that you know he had he had that lower body injury and he missed two games, and he came back and played in Boston and aggravated it more, and then he was out for 15 games. Uh, he said they didn't think the injury was that serious, and then when they got sent him for an MRI, the MRI was as he said surprising that it was more serious than they thought. Uh, with Caulfield now, you know, they're paying him a lot of money to score goals, right? And he's mm-hmm. not scoring goals. Um, I'm sure they're, if it was, they thought it was serious, they would be keeping him out. I mean, every player by this time in the season is playing with something, right? You got something, you got some kind of a knock on you. But the you Canes know, are four points out of after Carolina. They're four points out of a wild card spot, which is quite remarkable because you know, I was looking this morning, you go down the list of forwards, Caulfield's got eight goals. Anderson had six, five in the last five games. He started scoring. Gallagher has five goals, none in the last 20 games. He got 20 games without a goal. Slavkowski's only got four goals. Army has got four goals. Dvorak has three goals. Evans has two goals. Bezetta has one goal. It's amazing they're only four points out of a wildcard spot with so many forwards who really aren't contributing much at all when it comes to scoring goals. Well, it's like we said, I did, you know, they're, what were they uh, last week or two weeks ago when you threw the stat at me, like second in the league in defense scoring or first yeah. in the league? Yeah, Something they're, like they're second now, I think, behind um, Colorado. Yeah, so, I mean, you want to take a positive from last night. Uh, Mike Matheson, man, I mean, seems like he just does this, <clears throat> excuse me, about once a game, but it goes in every so often where he'll just, you know, He'll be down low and just work around the net, uh, yep. break a couple guys' ankles, and then put one in the back of the net. It's crazy what this guy could do. And that was a huge goal. I mean, they were totally outplayed in that first period. I think the shots were 15-7. And that goal tied it up 2-2, right? They went into the locker room 2-2. And then second period, Carolina scores again quick. It was a minute and 29 seconds or whatever uh, into the game and coming back. But, you know, Kane's they've shown on since Marty St. Louis took over as head coach, they don't give up. 
Um, as we mentioned, they look like they sort of gave up after that big hit to Slavkovsky last night. But three games in a row, down 2 nothing. They just they got to get off the better starts. I mean, last night it's not that surprising, as I said, after the long Christmas break. And uh, I'm sure they were eating turkey and doing everything else. Uh, and, and also the travel. You know, a lot of these guys, some of them didn't come back to Montreal. Some go home, wherever home might be. Uh, I spoke with Cole Caulfield before the, the break, and he said he might just stay in Chicago. I know his parents were at the game in Chicago. Uh, and then, you know, you're fl- either flying back to Montreal and then flying to Carolina or flying wherever home is and then flying. You haven't really been on skates for three days, which is rare, three or four days, which is rare in the NHL, apart from the bye week. Um, so I wasn't surprised the slow start last night, but the slow starts really are uh, a concern for this team. Um, it's great that they're able to fight back, uh, but it would be better if they weren't down to nothing every game. Um, and they've shown that they're 8-0 this season when they have a lead going into the third period. So they've shown they can protect the lead. So it, they just need to get off the better starts uh, coming out of the gate. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, for me, uh, last night, bit of a bit of a missed opportunity because we were talking last week that, you know, it's very rare the Canadians could use this break. They 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 were just had an impressive win in Chicago, where they you know they really handled the the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, you know when they could have folded again, like we said, down to nothing. Um, and you know they got a very rare break to you know get their minds and bodies a little bit, give them a little bit of rest. And like you said, you know Carolina played the night before. They play so they in Nashville. Were, uh, it was a road game. Yeah. You know, they may have had their legs under them, but they were tired. They they yeah. had to travel back and, uh, you know, mi- kind of a missed opportunity in my eyes because we were we were saying that the rest would do the Canadians some good. And, uh, you know, they're a good team, Carolina, but they're not as good as everyone expected them to be. But you're right, Carolina had a shorter break. I mean, they would have either flown back to Carolina, then flown to Nashville, and then flown back home. Um, yeah, That's but uh, again, but I mean, they had their legs under them. At least they, they had, Played one game, had their legs under a bit where the Canadians didn't. Um, but again, it was it was down to that as you said, that Matheson goal was huge. Um, you know, uh, get them back in the game. But again, the second period they came out slow again. So it's you know, it's 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 something that's a concern for this team moving forward. So um, we don't have the answers to that. Uh, thankfully, we're. I mean. Uh, even if I was paid to have the answers for it, I don't think I would. So, you know, uh, it's tough on Martin St. Louis for trying to figure that one out. But uh, another, just again, we mentioned, you mentioned him, uh, 
another positive on this team, uh, you know, in the past few weeks has been Josh Anderson. You know, like yep. this guy, it seems like, you know, everything he touched turned into a pumpkin uh, a couple weeks ago uh, for a good few months. And now everything he touches um, goes in the back of the net. So it's just uh, we said he was a streaky guy and he's usually good for 20 goals a year. Going at this pace, he's probably going to hit 20 goals. Yeah, I think when I was on with you last Friday, I said that. I said he'll I'd be surprised if he doesn't score 20 goals. He's just he's, he's a proven 20 goal scorer in the NHL. And the thing I really liked about that goal last night is Josh Anderson is not good on breakaways generally. Yeah, I mean, if he scored on half of his breakaway chances, he'd be a 30 goal scorer, not a 20 goal scorer. And you know the way the, the hockey gods are shining on him now because you know that it was a beautiful move uh, backhand and then five hole and the puck just trickled over the goal line and you figure a month ago that puck would have stopped right on the goal line right just would have stopped there yeah. and would have it away but it trickled over and you saw the reaction from Marty St. Louis on the bench afterwards like he was more excited than Josh Anderson because he wouldn't give up on Anderson he stuck with him and he kept him on the power play and he kept playing him 16 17 minutes a game he was criticized uh, for it from uh, from some people, but he just, you know, he had that line. He said, if you don't give up on yourself, I won't give up on you. And Anderson didn't give up on himself. And that was, you know, the nickname, the power horse. Uh, that was a power horse goal. I mean, he just saw the opening. He blew past the uh, defenseman at center ice, went in, and then just a really nice, that was a goal scorer's move. That was a really nice forehand, backhand, and through to five. Well, his confidence has got to be soaring right now. I mean, five goals in five games. He's, he's only six goals for the season. He's only two goals behind Caulfield now. You know, it's, he's got more goals than Brendan Gallagher. He's got two more goals than Slavkovsky. Um, again, he's, he's a proven commodity. In the NH. He's a proven goal scorer, and he's a big power forward. Uh, and he showed that in that goal last night. It's it's crazy because um, it's like you said, just you know, you just know, like if this move, if he pulls that move last month. It's not going in. It's going to stop, and yeah. uh, it, it may have. They may. You know, it would have been the worst if uh, this is probably what it would have happened if this happened a month ago. The puck stops on the goal line. However, the refs did call it a goal. And then it goes to review <laughs> yeah, and get yeah. taken away from him. Like that's what would have happened. Yeah. Well, there was another shift he had that even impressed me as much, if not more, than the goal. It was second period. He carried the puck out of his own end, just over the red line. He chipped it into the corner, and then he like. Power horse. He went after it, threw a big hit on the defenseman, took the puck away from him, went in front, set up a nice goal, uh, a nice scoring opportunity in front of the net, and uh, that's the Josh Anderson that uh, Canadian fans want to see. That's that's the Josh Anderson that Mark Bergevin saw when he made uh, the trade, sending Domi to Columbus and then signing Anderson to that big contract. He's, I mean, I, I haven't. St. Louis wasn't ready to give up on Anderson. I wasn't ready to give up on Anderson. I think he's just too big. He's too strong. Uh, he plays a physical game. Uh, he create. I mean, even when he wasn't scoring, he was getting tons of scoring chances. There, there was no you know, players say often that they're concerned if they're not getting any more chances. If they're getting chances, they're not going in. Eventually, they'll come, and that's what's happening now with Josh Anderson. What What I find very interesting about Josh Anderson is that this is kind of a similar situation that he found himself in in at the end of last year. You know, like the Canadians, a lot of forwards are injured. A lot of people aren't scoring. Uh, that's a this year problem rather than last year. Um, and just when the team needed him the most, because he's really the only forward right now putting the puck consistently in the net. The team needs goals. He's providing it. Last year, everyone was going down. And near the end of the season, he was playing some fantastic hockey. And uh, 
you know, everyone was saying, wow, if this is like the Josh Anderson that the Canadians could get for 82 games, this guy would, you know, he might not, uh, they might have to trade him because, you know, playoff Anderson is, uh, is a whole other beast. And yep. there, this team, you know, presumably wasn't, uh, isn't going to make the playoffs or wasn't going to make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, if they, again, it's just when the chips are down it, and they need a forward, He's the one providing it. Happened last year, and it's happening again this year. And when they went to the Stanley Cup, uh, went to the Stanley Cup final in 2021, he he had a huge role in that. I mean, he was just pounding yeah. a, a position defenseman in their own end into the boards, game after game, and shift after shift, and just wearing them down. I mean, against Toronto, he just wore down their defense, and he did that as the series as they moved on. Also, he's just a big, strong, tough guy to play against. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest hand. Like, as I said, if he scored on half his breakaways or half his scoring opportunities, it'd be a 30-goal score. That's the difference between a 20-goal score and a 30-goal score. But I've maintained all along, I wouldn't trade Josh Anderson. I think the day you trade Josh Anderson is the day you start looking for another Josh Anderson. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of guys uh, that bring what he brings with uh, the size and the hitting. He can fight. We are talking about fighting also earlier. He can fight if needed. Um, He's just a big presence when he's on the ice, and especially when he's going well like he is right now. Yeah, it's it's really I I it, he's one of when he's going like he's going, he's really one of my favorite players to watch uh to play because mm-hmm. you know, not even on the Canadians, it's it just in general because I love watching, you know, like something that was like amazing to watch for me was uh Kirby Doc in the first two games of the season. You couldn't knock the puck off of him yeah. no, no matter what you tried. Uh Yoel Armia in the Stanley Cup playoff run. That guy it's like Puck's on a stick. It's staying there. I don't know what he yeah. what he did. It's just when players go like this, big guys, power forwards like this, that's really, really impressive to me. And it and it's quite amazing to be watching uh, what Josh Anderson is doing right now. Well, he knows he knows how to use his size to his advantage. And I think Slavkowski can learn a lot from watching him. Slavkowski's even bigger than Anderson. Just how to use that size. Like Anderson finishes most of the checks. He has a, a chance to finish. Uh, Slavkovsky, a lot of times he'll go in with sort of one-hand poke check rather than finishing his check. So by watching Anderson, I think Slavkovsky can learn a lot about how to use his size. Just how, and he's even bigger and stronger than Anderson, but he's only 19. I'm sure when Josh Anderson was 19, he wasn't fully aware of how to use his size and strength also. So it'll come. I mean, we've seen um, quite good progress from Slavkovsky over the last month uh, as far as using his size more to his advantage, especially in front of the net. Uh, two last two goals he scored were both him standing in front of the net. Um, so it'll come. I mean, but I, again, if I was, uh, and I imagine they are, if I was part of the Canadians coaching staff, I'd be showing Slavkovsky videos of Anderson. That shift that I mentioned, you know, the carrying the puck from your own end, getting over the red line, dumping it in, and then a hard forecheck, big hit, get the puck back. Uh, Slavkovsky can do that. He's got the skills and the tools to do that. I, and I think it'll come for him eventually. You know what I hope? I really hope that hit because it was he was even having a, a good game up until that mm-hmm. point, uh, till he got knocked out of the game. Um, I really hope that hit doesn't shatter the confidence that Uri Slavkovsky built over the past month. And it's just because those things can happen, you know, when a, when a, a big hit like that happens because – it's such a shame. Like we, every time for Canadians fans, whenever a, a player starts to show their promise, be it Kirby Doc, Alex Newhook, and now Uri Slavkovsky, they just get bang stopped in their tracks. 
Um, you know, so I, I just really hope uh, that doesn't, you know, hinder the confidence of uh, a guy that you said it's his, it's like part of his personality to be. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it will. He's a confident kid. He's, I really, self he's a really likable kid. Like he's a, a he's funny. His teammates love him. Uh, he's fun to be around. Uh, Marty Sanu said he's a sponge when it comes to learning and listening to what guys want to do. Adam Nicholas spends a lot of time with him. I'm sure Adam Nicholas might be showing him videos of that hit last night and showing him. Uh, again, I'm not blaming like how to avoid that happening again, how to avoid putting yourself in that position again. Uh, but confidence, I don't think, is a problem for Slavkowski. He's, he's a confident kid. Uh, and I go back, I remember the day before the draft when they had all the top prospects in old Montreal, and I said to Slavkowski, why should the Canadians draft you? And he said, because I can score goals with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. On that. And that's a confident kid. He's, he's And now we're seeing he's in that position. And I'm good for Marty St. Louis that he's left them there now. It's like 10, yeah. 10, about 10 games in that position. So he's not like worried, okay, maybe I'm going to get put down to the third line or second line. Maybe I'm going to get taken off of the power play. They put him there and they're leaving him there. And they're letting him uh, live and learn it and learn from from what is, what's going on. I mean, and Caulfield, as I mentioned, Caulfield wasn't, hasn't been scoring but he had a four-game point streak before last night with assists, and he's got 16 assists this season in 34 games. Last year he had 10 assists in 46 games, so he's you know he's getting more assists, but that's not what they're paying him big money for. They're paying him big money to score goals. So that line, you know, if Caulfield can start scoring, um, that'll help Suzuki and and uh, Slavkovsky on that line. There's so much talent on that line, and they seem like a really good fit. The three of them with you know the Two-way center, the smart playmaker in, in Suzuki, the goal scorer, which should be a good sco- goal scorer in Caulfield, and then the big power forward like Josh Anderson in Slavkovsky, who can do, uh, you know, win puck battles on the boards and go hard to the net and score and rebounds of shots from Caulfield and all that kind of stuff. So I'm happy to see Marty Sammy leave those three guys together uh, and let them build something. You know, they're going to have good games, going to have bad games, but just leave them together. You know, speaking of uh, offensive talent, I couldn't, I really couldn't help but wonder after the game. Um, I listen, I don't know if Kent Hughes was at the game. I don't know if Jeff Gordon was at the game, but they were certainly watching the game. Um, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, they had a, they had, they had the chance, they had a top five pick, you know, last year. I hate to bring this conversation up uh, again. But, you know, it's really every time the Canadians struggle for goals, it comes up because they had a chance uh, to build. Like, at least if it they wouldn't have had an impact this year, you know, in the future, the, sol- the problem would be solved is that they watched a second overall pick um, get a hat trick last night. They watched uh, Sebastian Ajo po- post four assists. These are elite offensive talents. And, you know, the, the Canadians are starved for that. And they, again, it's just, you think that they're watching that kicking themselves, you know, saying, ah, man, maybe we could have, maybe we should have pivoted to, uh, to offense because they they got defense coming out the wazoo. Yeah. Well, on the other side of that, I mean, (laughs) the spirit cock held off the score sheet again last night. He's got one goal, no assists in his last 15 games, but you know, David Reinbacker, if David Reinbacker shot left, if he was a left-handed defenseman, I don't think the Canadians would have drafted him. I think they would have taken Ryan Leonard or a goal scorer. I think right. you know, talk about the Jack uh, trying to get in the lineup. You know, last night you had Jordan Harris playing on his offside. They just they don't have that 
stud right hand defenseman. And I think that's a big reason uh, why they took Ryan back. I mean, David Savard shoots right. Uh, Kovacevic shoots right. He was a healthy scratch last night. Uh, Barron shoots right. That's a reason why he stays in the lineup. Logan Mayu is another right-hand shot coming up. Um, but again, I, I think if with Reinbacker, if he was a left shot defenseman, I think the Canadians probably would have gone with the forward. I think they just figured right hand, for whatever reason, right shot defensemen are hard to find. And yeah. um, I, I'm, I think that's why they made the pick. But again, I if it was me, I, Ryan Leonard's a guy I really liked. And you watch him in the World Juniors, he's just he's a big, strong guy. Um, you know, can score goals, another power forward. I mentioned like, you know, Josh Anderson, you know, if you're going to trade Josh Anderson, you're going to be looking for another Josh Anderson right away. If they had Leonard, you'd have another one, right? And then maybe you do trade Josh Anderson uh, and see what you can get for him. So it's um, the fact that Ryan Backer shoots right, I understand how that factored into the Canadians' thinking. But again, the biggest problem for this team forever has been they don't have any forwards who can score. I mean, you know, Nick Suzuki is leading the Canes in scoring. He's 52nd in the NHL. You know, they haven't had a point-per-game player since Alex Kovalev. Uh, they haven't had a guy in the top 10 since Matt Snazlin in 1986. It's been a long, ongoing problem where guys, are, they don't have guys who can score. And now Cole Caulfield's struggling to score, so that doesn't help. Um, but uh, with Reinbacker, I mean, with, with any draft, time will tell. You know, five years down the road, uh, Reinbacker might be the right D playing 26 minutes a game, and we're all raving about what a great pick it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I get on a team that struggles to score goals, when you get a pick that high, meaning you should be able to get an elite offensive player, that's the route I would have taken. Um, you know, you mentioned the World Juniors, so I, I yeah, I want to mention him. You know, there's two guys, first of all, that are at the World Juniors that are one that I wanted to that I was making a concerted effort to watch. The other one is uh, he just keeps finding his way onto the score sheet that uh, is making me uh, pay attention because, you know, always whenever the Canadians, you know, I I don't get as excited about prospects as uh, some people do, as, as some Canadians fans do, because I learned something uh, very early on in my media career, which is uh, prospect a prospect stock is never as high, unless he's a first-round pick, as the day he was drafted. Like yeah. a second, third, fourth-round pick, your stock is never as high most of the time until the day, from the day you were drafted. But... Uh, you want to talk first-round picks, uh, a late one at that. Uh, Philip Meshar now has six assists yeah. in three games. I mean, he just keeps finding his way onto the score sheet. And, you know, I, I'm not I'm not watching all of the games uh, as I used to. But, like, every time I see Slovakia is playing that day and they posted, you know, eight goals or whatever like they did today, I'm wondering like, oh my God, uh, whichever, t- I think it was St. Louis who d- who drafted Dalibor Dvorsky. He must, they must be over the moon. And then I look, he's off the score sheet today. He had two goals, but he's off the score sheet. But uh, Philip Meshar has uh, another three assists. It's crazy. Well, with Meshar, I mean, drafted the same year as Slavkovsky when the Habs had the two first round picks. I remember that year at the development camp and the rookie camp and then the training camp, especially at the development camp, no, all eyes were on Slavkovsky, right? He didn't do anything that made me go, wow, apart from being so friggin' big. But Messer made me go, wow, like five, six, seven times. Like he's just with the skill level he had and the way he was handling the puck and, and 
taking passes, taking bad passes off his skates, and just the the vision. Like I was watching, going, man, this kid is really good, and he impressed me more than Slavkowski did at that camp. You know, he's had a, a rough bit of a rough ride since then. He had a big adjustment coming over, like Slavkowski did, but you know, playing junior hockey. Uh, in the Ontario League, after having played pro hockey with men the season before, was a big adjustment. Getting used to the smaller rink, um, it, it was a big adjustment for him, and he struggled with it. And he admitted he struggled with it. And he was—I remember speaking with Development Camp this year, and Masara said that, you know, he was. I said, "Where do you think you're going to play this year?" And he said, "Well, I hope to play in Laval because last year the Canadians told me, like, and his agent, you know, you play one year of OHL and then you're going to play in Laval." And he did start this season in Laval, but he struggled, so the Canadians sent him back to the OHL. And now we're seeing at this World Junior, his confidence is growing and growing. He's getting more accustomed. I think it's a good experience. He's with the guys he grew up with and played with as a kid, I'm sure, on this team. Uh, as I said, I thought it would have been a great experience for Slavkowski last year to go to the World Juniors. It might not even have been a bad experience to send them this year. Uh, I know the Bruins sent one of their top prospects. His name slips my mind right now. They sent him to play. Uh, Matthew Poitras. That's right. They sent him to play is- Canada this year. And, um, but for, for Massar, I mean, the, the talent is there. I mean, he caught my eye. I remember that first evaluation camp. And I just went, wow, quite a few times with the skill level he has. Um, and it'll be interesting how he progresses after this. I, uh, um, I'm sure he wasn't happy going back to the OHL this season. I imagine one of Kent Hughes's biggest strength along with Marty St. Louis and Gordon is their communication skills and the way they're honest with players. And uh, I'm sure they sat him down for a chat and explained to him why they thought going back to the OHL would be the best for his development. Um, he was obviously a little overmatched at the AHL right now, but he's still a kid. It's easy to forget how young these guys are. Uh, and this, is, I think, is a really good progression for him. Uh, second World Juniors, he's the captain of the team this year, too. Leadership qualities are there, obviously. Um, so another year in the OHL. Next year, be more ready to play in the AHL. And maybe another year or two after that, we'll see him uh, with the Canadians. But the skill level is definitely there. It's just a case of maturing, uh, maybe getting a little stronger. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, but the, you can see why, or at least I can see why at that development camp, uh, why he was a first-round pick. And the other player, um, you know, he's not doing the same thing, had a lot of hype, is Lane Hudson. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, coming into this uh, tournament, I remember reading an article saying, uh, all eyes are on Lane Hudson to break the U.S. or tournament record for points. He's not. He's not on track. He's. Not, I don't think he's going to do it this. Uh, this. Uh, this tournament. But hey, I mean, for Canadians, I know because I know people could read a lot into this. Like people do read a lot into this tournament, and people freak out about it. Um, this is from my time uh, in the radio days, where I'm going to pull up a. A nice little uh, where I was pulling up stats. I was actually, it's funny, I was on a show with Tony and we were talking about uh, players at the World Junior. And he was, you know, he was a little concerned about Cole Caulfield at the tournament because it was the year after the Canadians had drafted him. I think he had scored one goal and had an assist in that tournament. That's it. And, you know, Tony was quite concerned. And I said, Tony, there are, uh, there's multiple examples of players who, you know, failed to find the back of the net or find their way onto the score sheet that uh, in this tournament and have had very successful NHL mm-hmm. careers. None other than, you know, Nathan McKinnon is like a poster boy for that. Um, so, you know, while it, it's a little concern, it could be concerning for Habs fans that Lane Hudson hasn't been finding his way onto the score sheet as often as people would have liked. Turns out, yo, know, 
the U.S. is just not the juggernaut that everyone thought they would be at this tournament, right now at least. Well, that's what, it was 11 goals and he had no points in <laughs> that game, the last game. The thing, there's other players who have started at the World Juniors and not been able to carry that to the NHL level, right? It's it's, it's you know, The draft is a crapshoot. My, my biggest concern with Lane Hudson, and it doesn't matter what he does or doesn't do at the yep. World Juniors, was when we saw him at the um, development camp this year, and he came out to be interviewed, and he was just wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And I couldn't believe how skinny he was. Like, his skinniest legs I think I've ever seen in a hockey player. Um, and that could be a big issue at the in the NHL level, where you got you don't necessarily need to be tall, but you got to be strong. You know, Cole Caulfield's bulked up a lot since he was drafted by the Canadians. He's solid now. For Hudson, you know, and, you know, we always talk about Jaden Struble and how big he is and how strong he is and how effective he's been with the Canadians. He was telling me at the development camp this year when I asked him your biggest adjustment from going NCAA to the AHL, he said was how strong players are in the AHL. And Struble was a big dude. Struble was saying, you know, in, in the NCAA, I'd shove guys on the boards and they'd usually hit the boards or they'd fall. And he says, the AHL, I'm shoving guys and they're not budging. And he says, I realize just how strong these guys are. Now, that goes up another level when you get to the NHL. So Lane Hudson, for all the incredible offensive talent he has and the skill he has you know on social media here canadians fans like it's a given this guy's gonna come to the nhl and be a, a offensive superstar and he might he might do yeah. that but my biggest concern for him right now is he's got to get stronger he's got to admit uh you know we haven't seen him for a few months maybe he did over the the summer and i know he's in a perfect situation to put on weight and muscle playing ncaa where they don't play as many games and you're in the gym a lot and you eat well and you sleep well um but that Personally, for me, that was my biggest concern after seeing him is, is he going to be strong enough to do what he can do offensively in the NHL where guys are bigger and stronger and they hit harder and they hold you off harder. And uh, even with Caulfield, Marty St. Louis keeps talking about how he wants his forwards to get more on the inside. And you see Caulfield trying to do that, but it's hard when you're his size. It's hard to get through those, those big, solid defensemen, especially when you play big teams like Vegas or teams like that where all their defensemen are monsters. So for Lane Hudson, that's my biggest concern. I said what he does or doesn't do with this uh, World Juniors doesn't really uh, concern me. We've seen the offensive ability he has playing in NCAA. He's a highlight real guy almost every game. This tournament's still early. He might light it up the rest of the tournament. We'll see. Uh, but he definitely needs to uh, add some strength, especially in his lower body. Uh, Modern-day hockey player, most of their strength now is from their butt down um, to be able to win puck battles, to be able to spin off checks and do all that kind of stuff. You know, I just looked up uh, his his you know his stature while you were uh, while you were talking, and man, on hockey DB, yeah, all I, kind I of just, like, I, like I just got I just got really concerned. Like I looked it up, and it said yeah. you know five ten is fine. You know, yeah, not five ten. Yeah, to me, I, I think like there's not much of a difference if you're five ten versus six feet. Like people freak mm -hmm. out that players are small at five yeah. ten, but if they're six feet, they won't say yeah. anything. It's two inches. Yeah. You know, I'm not concerned. However, where I was concerned was the one forty eight. Uh, you know, like yeah. when I'm, you know, I'm listen, I'm not ripped, yeah. but uh, I'm not a hockey player, but I got 25 pounds on the kid. So I, I was like, no, there, this can't be. I went to the Boston university website to see what they have him listed at. And they have him at 162. And I'm like, man, still, I got 15 pounds on this kid. Like, yeah. he's got to do something. It's, it's skinny, the skinniest legs I've seen. In, in I remember when Thomas Tatar joined the Canadians and uh, first training camp, we went to interview him when he was sitting, the, that 
stage there where Marty St. Louis does his news conferences in Brossard. He was sitting on it. He was wearing shorts. And the muscles on his legs, I went in and I went, oh, my God. And he's not a big guy, but, like, it was freakish, the muscles on his legs. Marty St. Louis is the same way, right? It's that lower body strength. And in the same way, I was surprised when I saw Hudson. I just saw how skinny his legs were. I was like, man, this kid's going to have to get a lot stronger in his lower body if he's going to be able to uh, uh, compete uh, and do what he does uh, at the NHL level. But, you know, the Hughes brothers aren't that big either. Um, I haven't seen them in shorts off the ice. I don't know how big yeah. their legs are. Um, but for Hudson, again, that's that's my biggest concern. You know, it should be a rule of thumb for uh, Canadians, or not even Canadians, just, uh, you know, see here, Quinn Hughes is uh, 5'10", 180. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it should be a rule of thumb. For like that's a solid 5'10", 180 is a solid guy. It's like Suzuki's, I don't know if they list him at six foot or 5'11", but he's like 202 pounds. He's a solid kid, mm -hmm. solid guy. So should be a rule of thumb that uh, if you don't need custom pants, you know, suit pants <laughs> in the NHL, and you're at the, you're trying to make the NHL, go hit the gym. I don't think you're ready. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sidney Crosby. I mean, Sidney Crosby's nickname with his teammates in Pittsburgh was is the creature because he's his body's like freakish. How how big his butt is and his legs are compared to the rest of his body. Yeah, so he's not uh, he's not walking into uh, a store and buying a pair of jeans off the rack. I don't think they make uh, those sizes. Yeah, he's got to know a guy. He's got to yeah, know exactly. A guy. And, uh, right now, Lane Hudson at uh, you know five ten one sixty two. He doesn't have to know a guy, so yeah, he, can walk yeah, right, he yeah. can walk right into Moore's or wherever he's going to yeah. get his suits and just you know take one off the rack. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're uh, if you need if you don't need custom sizing, you're not you're not ready physically to be <laughs> in the NHL. That's a new theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with. Um, so we we uh, we've made it 43 minutes without talking about it. We're gonna do it though. Um, three goalie system. Uh, another game for Caden Primo last night, uh, kind of a forgetful performance, but yeah. not necessarily one that was, uh, it's not forgetful because it was bad, you know, like yeah. a couple of the goals he let in, you know, I'm sure he would have liked to have uh Svechnikov second goal back, but the first one, you know, minute, Fox whatever team. it was, he can't really do much on that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, they said, uh, you know, the insiders on, uh, on TSN and on the athletic, they all say that it's going to pick up in 2024, the goaltender market. Um, listen, I think, uh, I don't know what he would go for, but I think he's shown that he's at least capable of playing Caden Primo. I'm talking about, uh, capable of taking 35, 40, maybe 40 games off of, uh, off of a goal a starting goaltender shoulders. Maybe. I'm still, I'm still uncertain. Jerry's about still that. out, eh? Yeah, maybe. I think, and again, I think I'd love to be in the meetings with uh, Gorton and Hughes and St. Louis discussing this goalie situation. Uh, no, I'm surprised to see Primo get back-to-back -back starts. Um, it means Jake Allen's gone a long time without playing. Uh, you know, they'll, I'm sure Allen and Montevo will split these uh, games coming up in Florida. Um, but you know, I said we've talked about this previously. It's you know. Hughes doesn't want to give up a goalie without getting something in return. Uh, I don't think you're going to get much for Aiden Primo. In fact, I'm not. I'm still not certain he wouldn't clear waivers if the Canes decided to go that route. 
Uh, I think right now the plan is they're going to trade Jake Allen at some point and then uh, have Montemo be the number one guy with Primo as the backup and then be like a trial run to see, okay, is this, can we go forward with this next season? As this rebuild continues, are we comfortable going forward with Montembeau as the number one goalie and Caden Primo as his backup? And I think that's where we sit. And I think Kent Hughes is just waiting until he gets an offer that he likes for Jake Allen. Uh, and then we'll see a trade. And it might be right up until the trade deadline. And um, if he doesn't get what he wants then, I mean, Kent Hughes is really patient. Does he even wait until the offseason when there might be more teams uh, in the goalie market? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. But it's not, so far, it's not good for any of the goalies. They're not playing enough. They're missing reps in practice, not as bad in Brossard where they have two rinks and uh, they can go across and the goalie can work with the uh, goalie coach on the other rink. But there's been days I've been in Brossard where there's public skating on the other rink. So the Canadians still only have the one rink. They don't own that rink outright, right? It's the city of Brossard is there also. So uh, it's not good for any of them. Um, but again, when I said, you know, I understand why uh, they took Reinbacker because he's a right-hand shot. There's certain decisions that Hughes and Gorton make that I disagree with, but I can understand them all. Like they're not them guys. Like I can understand why they don't want to. They obviously think that Caden Primo is going to get claimed on waivers and they're going to lose him for nothing. Uh, you know, and, and they don't like in goaltending is a huge problem in Laval. It's not like they have somebody if, if you know if they lose Primo on waivers and then Montembeau or Allen gets hurt, who's the backup now? You know, it's, they're they're really in a dilemma. But I said, as I said, in a perfect world, I think. Hughes and Gorton see Montembeau as number one goalie and Primo as the backup. And until they get something they think is worthwhile for Jake Allen, I think we're just going to continue to see this three goalie rotation. Yeah. It kind of feels like the way it's going is that Caden Primo will probably be the stopgap. You know, if he proves, keeps proving that he's capable mm -hmm. Um, cause he's having, he's had some good games. Uh, anyone can have good games. He needs to keep doing that on a consistent basis. He's probably the stopgap uh, until Jacob Fowler yeah. is ready to come up because he's having like a historically good season with Boston university. Yeah. Does that have to do it's chicken or the egg, you know, uh, yeah. does that have to do with all the talent on his team or yeah. is he a part of that reason? But he's been good everywhere he's played. Like, he's been outstanding yeah. at every level he's played. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Primo has one more year in his contract. So you trade Allen, you go through the rest of the season with Montembeau and Primo. You go into next season with Montembeau and Primo. Jacob Fowler goes back for a second season of NCAA hockey. After that, then you decide what you're going to do. Is, is Jacob Fowler ready to uh, make the jump to the NHL or at least to the AHL? Uh, and if you want to have him get time in the AHL, uh, and, and Montemo has shown that he can be a number one goalie in the NHL. Uh, then Primo leaves and, and uh, you find a veteran guy like they did when they found Jake Allen to be the backup for Carey Price, right? You find a guy who's a veteran guy near the end of his career and you bring him in to be the backup. Or we, you know, hey, listen, we, or even next year, you know, Jay, I, I don't know. I think he might be still committed to playing in university, but Jacob Fowler could surprise at, the at a development camp and in a preseason because like we saw it with spencer knight you know yeah. spencer knight uh you know he was touted to be the next one like carrie price level um obviously things went off the rails a little bit but you know he stepped into the nhl we always say goaltenders take longer which yeah. is 
for the most part true. He stepped into the NHL at 19, I'm pretty sure, 20 maybe. Mm-hmm. He's 22 now. Feels like he's been in the league for a little bit. So um, maybe That's he'll brutal for a guy that young. That's why I, I, I can see the Canadians wanting him to go back and play another season at NCAA. I mean, Ken Hughes said recently that we're talking about Lane Hudson. He wants to sign Lane Hudson after this NCAA season's over, after his second year. So I think the common thinking is like two years of NCAA. I don't think there's anything. I think that's probably the best for Jacob Fowler's development. Dominate. He's been dominating this year. Dominate again next year. Yeah. Uh, he's the backup this year for Team USA at the World Juniors. Um, next year, he would be the number one guy, you would think, if he goes back to, to the World Juniors. So I don't think there's any reason right now to rush Jacob Fowler. Um, and especially, you know, as I say, you got uh, you got Primo under contract for another year, and you got Montembeau uh, to his new three-year deal, which kicks in next season. So um, let's let's talk uh, let's talk New Year's resolutions for uh, just to close this uh, close this mm-hmm. last show of 2023 out. Um, what do you think Martin St. Louis' New Year's resolution would be? Um, get better starts, <laughs> as we were talking before. <laughs> Quit playing catch-up hockey. It's hard to catch up hockey in the NHL. I think that's something he would be uh, get better starts from his players uh, and get more goals from Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Okay, so – and let's remember – St. Louis can't really control Caulfield's scoring, but as a coach, I think he can – have an impact or control over them getting off the better starts. Right. And I, and I agree there. And you know what, that's the thing about new year's resolutions is a lot of people make them and then don't stick to them. That's why uh, I'm absolutely dreading uh, stepping into the gym on uh, January. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, I think it's like for uh, the veterans of the gym, like people that go to the gym consistently, Mm -hmm. it's like, just take that week off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm dreading going into the gym on January 2nd. But, uh, you know, maybe a week passes. Not a lot of people stick to that. Oh, they just watch yeah. him drop off, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, um, that that one is realistic. What's a realistic New Year's resolution? We talked about it before uh, for Yuri Slavkovsky. Um. Use your size more. That's I think what we're talking about. Just use that size, and if he does that, the goals are going to come. I mean, as I said, the last two goals, one went off his uh, leg, I think, staying in front of the net. The other one, he walked in a rebound. That's use your size and keep your and be more aware of guys coming at you. As I said, that was uh, uh, Nosen had a lot with had a long run at him, and Slavkowski never saw him coming. You know, it's. Um... That's that's the thing that we were talking about earlier. Is like for a guy like Cole Caulfield, he's been playing small his whole life, mm-hmm. playing big. Uri uh, Slavkovsky's whole life, you know, through younger ranks. That's uh, it's kind of see we're kind of seeing the detriments because well, not really a detriments, but um, you know the the downsides of that because, like you said, no one's probably taking a run at him when he's playing when he's young, so he didn't really have to worry about uh, keeping his head up or yeah. Whatever, whatever. I think it was Mike Johnson recently. I heard he had a great line. He said, Slavkovsky's a child trapped in a man's body. And it, in, in ways, it's true. And he was a man playing against kids when he was playing youth hockey. You know, you, you're 5'10 and 100, or like you're Lane Hudson, you're 5'10 and 140 pounds, and you see a six foot three, 230 pound guy. You're going to go run him? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like one of the, it'd be like a, 
like a cartoon of uh, I'm like picturing I forget what it would be of just like a guy running into a mosquito hitting the windshield, you know, right? It's, yeah. it's like exactly. It's just like you stop yeah. in your tracks, you know. Yeah. It's, it's and that's and that's and that's the thing with Slavkovsky. He never. I was speaking with him about this recently after a practice, and I said to him, "You know, are you starting to realize now how strong you are?" And he laughed and he said, "Yeah, like he's never really had to. He's never really had to worry about being hit." And he probably didn't hit that much either. He would have killed somebody. <laughs> Imagine yeah, playing well. uh, midget or peewee hockey or whatever. It's, uh, uh, but again, he'll learn. He's a smart kid. He'll he'll pick it up. So uh, last New Year's resolution uh, would be for we haven't talked about him uh, too too much this episode. Uh, Nick Suzuki. Um, finish the season with eighty two points. As I mentioned earlier, the Kings haven't had a point-per-game player since Alex Kovalev in the mid-'90s. Um, I think that's a reasonable – we are talking about you know, people joining the gyms and then quitting. I think a reasonable yeah. New Year's resolution for – I don't think Nick Suzuki's ever going to be a top-10 NHL scorer, 100-point guy. But if he can be a point-per-game player, um, play solid two ways. I mean, this season he's winning 55% of his face-offs. He's never won more than 50% in any pre – so he's, he's improving there. Um, there's a couple of plays last night I watched where uh, one was on a power play when Matheson sort of coughed up the puck and all of a sudden Suzuki's swept into the rescue and took the puck away. You see him make so many good defensive plays. Uh, he's a defenseman's best friend. You see him like, you know, guys get caught behind the net or in the corner in their own end and Suzuki comes in and helps them out. Uh, he's got the offensive vision. He can score. Leading the team, in, He's leading the team in goals, assists, and points uh, right now. So I think a realistic goal for him, if he can become a point-per-game player along with everything else he does as well as being the captain, uh, that would be a nice way for him to finish this season. So, you know, it's it's actually it's funny because at the, uh, you know, if you ask this question, say, a month and a half ago, a lot of people would say that's an unrealistic goal with the way it was going for Nick Suzuki. Remember, if you remember at the beginning of the season, yep. struggling hard, yep. and, you know, people were really wondering, like, oh man, is uh, did the Canadians make the right choice? To, uh, you know, people as the way things go, when people start to panic about these things, quietly, I would say, really turned it around. Like, not a lot of people are talking about his. I don't want to call it a resurgence because you know he's. That's for someone who really fell off a cliff. But, you know, I, I find a lot of the talk is, you know, Cole Caulfield's not scoring. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky is playing well. Uh, you know, Mike Matheson is, uh, you know, is playing amazing. David Savard is very important to the team. Three goalie system. No one was really shining a spotlight on Nick Suzuki and how well he's been playing, uh, you know, for the past couple of weeks. Well, if or when Caulfield starts scoring, Suzuki's assist numbers are obviously going to go up. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as I said last week uh, you know, about Josh Anderson, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't score 20 goals this season. Uh, I'd still be even more surprised now since he's got six. Uh, and I'd be this season I'd be surprised if Suzuki doesn't hit 82 points. I just think that uh, eventually Caulfield's going to start scoring, whether he's, you know, I don't think he's going to score 30 goals. I don't. Uh, right now he's on pace to get 20. Uh, but if he finishes the season even with 25 goals, uh, more assists for Suzuki. If Kof, if if Slavkowski continues to go to the net, like I was mentioning earlier, and uses size more, he's going to score more goals, which will be more assists also uh, for Suzuki. So I think uh, I think it's reasonable. I'd, I'd actually be surprised this season if Suzuki doesn't reach the 82 uh, point mark. 
So, uh, I mean, hey, we'll see uh, tomorrow night. Another another big, big test for the Canadians. Uh, so, I mean, forget the forget the road yeah. trip and the, the New Year's road trip. But this is a big test for the Canadians because, again, whether they plan for it or not, they are in the playoff mix. Uh, you know, yeah. four points out. They're playing against the second best team in their division uh, record-wise. A team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, last year just... You know, if you want to set the bar, it's, um, you know, just play a full 60 minutes, you know? Yeah, well, they got the Panthers, you got the Lightning, and then you got Dallas next Tuesday, right? Three tough games. If they lose all three, they're basically going to be out of – Yeah. Like, there's so many teams. It's not only how many points you're out of the wild card spot. It's how many teams are ahead of you uh, in that race. So, I mean, if they go 0-3 the rest of this road trip, they're basically – out of it like you know they might be only seven or eight points back but i'm sure there'll be other teams that'll move ahead of them it'll make it even tougher uh you know buffalo and ottawa also you figure at some point they're going to uh get going a little better um so i think they need to win at least one or come out with at least you know three points out of these uh, last three games either a win and overtime loss or something like that but if they go zero and three it's going to be it's tough already for them to think of them yeah. making the playoffs i don't think they will uh, but if they lose all three of these games, um, you know, I look at that stats club, the sports club stats.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were, they have the percentages and they were like 11% uh, before the game in Carolina. I think they were like 5.8% afterwards. So if they lose yeah. three more games, they're going to be down to, you know, one or 2% chance of making the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see what they're able to manage. Um, Stu, thank you for joining me, not only today, but almost every Friday of 2023 and uh have a very happy new year and uh be safe that night same to you happy new year to you and all the uh, viewers out there that's right uh so happy happy new years to ever to the sick army happy new years to sammy and yellow and juliana um you know the crew back there happy new years to producer shane and uh, everyone else who listens and is uh, all our contributors also as well. Uh, be safe out there. So, uh, party hard, but party smart. Um, that's it for me. I'll catch you. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say next. You know what the, the word is. Uh, I'll catch you next week. How about that? And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.